Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Andrew McCarthy is the author of Walking with Sam, A Father, A Son, and 500 Miles Across Spain. Andrew is a director, an award-winning travel writer, and an actor. He made his professional debut at 19 in class and has appeared in dozens of films, including such iconic movies as Pretty in Pink, St. Elmo's Fire, Less Than Zero, and cult favorites Weekend at Bernie's and Mannequin. I have seen all of those movies about 57 times. His memoir chronicling this time, Brat, an 80s story, became a New York Times bestseller in 2021. Andrew has directed nearly 100 hours of television, including The Blacklist, Grace and Frankie, New Amsterdam, Orange is the New Black, and many others. For a dozen years, Andrew served as an editor-at-large with National Geographic Traveler magazine. He has written for The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Los Angeles Times, The Atlantic, Time, Travel and Leisure, Town and Country, Men's Journal, Bon Appetit, and many others. He was named Travel Journalist of the Year by the Society of American Travel Writers, as well as serving as guest editor of the prestigious Best American Travel Writing Anthology. Andrew is the author of a travel memoir, The Longest Way Home, and a young adult novel, Just Fly Away, both New York Times bestsellers. He lives in New York. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your latest book, Walking with Sam. Yeah, it'll save everyone the trouble of reading it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They don't have time for it. Yeah, Yeah. skip the whole thing. Just listen to this. No. (laughs) Run out and buy the book. That's the whole point. (laughs) Um, well, I love the whole premise of this. I have four kids myself and, uh, my oldest, I have my oldest are twins about to be 16. And the thought of like any of them eventually coming around and being like, yeah, sure. I'll go and walk with you for like a month as opposed to like the walk to the deli. But that was so great. Um, so uh, like I thought when Sam was like, I thought you meant you wanted to go for a walk around the corner. Um, so why don't you tell listeners a little about the book and how, um, you know, how you, 
just like the whole setup of it and and how you got to the walk and how you made it a book. Sure. Um, yeah, it's called Walking with Sam. It's about a 500-mile walk I took with my uh, the 19-year-old son uh, across Spain on the old Camino de Santiago, which is an ancient pilgrimage route that was founded in the 8th century, you know, and uh, it, it began as, very, as a Catholic sort of pilgrimage. And over the centuries, it, it still is a Catholic pilgrimage, but it's evolved where people from all denominations and walks of life walk it. And uh, it was something I did uh, first 20, I don't know, back in the early 90s. And it was a real life-changing experience for me. I, I walked it and it had stayed with me. You know, it had changed my life when I walked it the first time. And so I'd always kind of wanted to do it again. And then as my son was sort of cusping manhood and thinking about moving out of the house and all that stuff, I was afraid that my relationship with my son would end when he left home, the way mine did with my dad. You know, I was 17 years old. I moved to New York City. And really, that was the end of it. And I never had any kind of adult relationship with my dad. And it's been one of the biggest regrets of my life, I think. And I just didn't want that to happen. And I didn't know how for it not to happen because I had no template for, like, how do you have an adult relationship with an adult child? Because I didn't have one. And so I thought walking the Camino might um, solidify that in some way. I just had this sort of punch, you know, and I knew that it would give me the ultimate luxury that you have with an adult child, which is time, you know, and because so much of the time my son's running through me, hey, Sammy, you want to go out for dinner? All right, I'll see you later. You know? <laughs> That's that. And so to just walk beside him for 500 miles for a month across the country was um, really an amazing opportunity. You know, I was I'm forever grateful that he said yes. Um, he did kind of want to change his mind, I think. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Like on day two, he turned to me and said, what's the point of this effing walk? And he didn't yeah. say effing. And then, but then, you know, the last day as we arrived in Santiago de Compostela, he, you know, he said, Dad, that's the only 10 out of 10 thing I've ever done in my life. And there's something about the walk and then walking in general and walking such a long way uh, that has a real profound effect on us, you know, especially in our culture and society now where it's a mile a minute we're defaulting to our phone every three seconds and all that kind of stuff to just sort of let that all fall away for a while and sort of feel your own rhythm and feel the person next to you and really give each other space and receive each other is a big experience so true um and I guess the book came out of why the books are. It's a ramble yeah. more. Keep um, going. No, it's great. <laughs> the, the, the Camino, you walk for five, you know, you walk to Santiago de Compostela, which is a city in the, the west of Spain. And it's near the coast, but, and that's where the pilgrimage, the official pilgrimage ends. But there's a, a walk for three days beyond it to a place called Finisterre, to the coast. And many pilgrims feel the need to pull to keep walking all the way to the coast. And I did not. I was like, I'm going to hopefully make it to Santiago and that's enough for me. <laughs> My son said, I'm going to go to Finisterre. Why don't you come with me, Dad? And uh, I said, no, Santiago is enough for me, but you go. And the idea, you know, the the low-hanging fruit of the metaphor of our children, my son going beyond what I've done, was too much for me to sort of resist. And so I knew there was a book in it at that moment, you know, because that's, that's the idea, right? We raise these kids and hopefully they'll be the first one to go to college and be, become a lawyer or whatever it is, you know, and to carry it further than we did. And when my son wanted to go do that and did go do that, it was, I was thrilled for him. And I was thrilled to get to sit down for a couple of days alone. 
<laughs> you know, and then at the end, I did take a cab to the end to Finisterre to meet him and watch him come marching up the street. You know, get tears in my eyes. You know, and to no, you know, and to just be able to receive him there, and for him to allow me to receive him, you know, was a big, uh, a wonderful moment. You know, oh, it is. It's really beautiful, and I love how you're very open about how hard it was on your body at this age too, and like how you're always propping your feet up against the wall, and like because I'm thinking to myself, how is he even doing? This is a like I walked six miles around Charleston, and I was ex- I had to like sit down for like a week. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> well, that's just, yeah. At the end of every day, I collapse onto the bed, put my feet up to the wall, yeah. rub lotion all over my feet. That's it. <laughs> I'm gonna go out and check it out, and he's gone, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Well, that's the difference between, you know, 19 and middle age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, you know, it's also so great to get the 10 out of 10 score when you so clearly outline, like, all the skepticism that he felt at the beginning and um, all of the, you know, compl- not complaining, but, like, when he asked if the well, airport... No, there was complaining. There was complaining. Where's the airport? You yeah, know? like, where's the airport? That was so funny. Like, I could totally see my kids saying that. Well, my kids don't even want to walk, like, to the garage, which is, like, two blocks away. But anyway. Um, uh, but then to remember, like, they complain about everything. Like, I think this is one of those parenting things. Like, just because they complain doesn't mean it's not going to be great or worthwhile. Like, having to push through all the complaining, I think, is, like, the secret to getting any good experience with a child because they're always going to push yeah, back. Kids, I don't know why. All my kids always say, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, anyway, get your shoes on. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> then they're like having the greatest time ever. And you're like, can we go home? I'm exhausted. You know, but, um, it's funny. That's it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear your kids are like that. Mine are too. No is the first answer to everything. Yeah. And it's just like, and, you know, one of the nice things about the Camino is you start to see your own patterns of thinking, your own emotional cycles, and theirs too. Mm-hmm. You know, to just sort of not react to them. Yes. It's the key there, you know, parenting, isn't it? Just don't react. Oh my God. <laughs> Just because they push those buttons and, you know, they poke the bear and all those sayings and whatever, and to just not react. Yeah. Especially when, like, <laughs> you wrote each morning about how you had all these different strategies for like getting Sam out the door and like, would you just put the time later? Would you like, how can you get this? How can you just get him going? <laughs> I mean, we were walking in August, which in northern Spain is blisteringly hot. So you want to be off the road by mid-afternoon. You don't want to still be walking at 2, 3 in the afternoon when it's 110 degrees in the sun with no shade. But, yeah, my son being 19 wants to sleep till noon. And I'm like, dude, this is not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I also didn't want to go. There were days when it's like, I'm not waiting. I'm leaving. I didn't want to walk without him. The whole point right. was to walk together. <laughs> so it's your, as a parent, you know, you're left with that. I don't want to teach a lesson. I'm not going to let him rule my life. And yet, I'll miss him if he's not here. And, you know, all that. You can't. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know? It's so true. (laughs) Well, I love how it all just, like, played out. Like, it played out in life because you took everything else away. Like, you left all of the the real meat of the relationship, right, when you take out all the distractions and just put the open road, right? And you have to work it all out. That's true. You take away all the distractions, you know, and, but you're still you and the relationship is still the relationship, but the, you know, you can, there's space for it to, to have a little bit more um, affection too, in a certain way, because you have a common goal and you do realize this is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard. How are you doing? I'm tired. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there's some kind of solidarity in that. It's like when, you know, like, is it my, you sit my son down to talk, you're not going to get anything out of him, but you get a movement. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's like people often can talk to their kids when they're in the cars because you're going somewhere, you've got a, a, a focus, you don't have to sit there and look at each other. And walking is the same kind of way, except you've got the physical happening, which right. is so great, that physical rhythm of walking. And, and walking does something to our brains that really relaxes them ultimately, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and to be doing it, you know, we're both doing the same thing is, you know, kind of great. Because how many times in our life are we doing the same thing with our kids? We're either, you know, and I had the notion at the beginning of like, I have to take care of him now, even though I didn't. I mean, he's a, more capable than I am to do. But, you know, that's still the, the historical relationship. I've got to take care of him. And mm-hmm. to realize at a certain point now, he's kind of helping me now, mm. you know, because at the beginning, he's sort of uncertain where to go. And I'm like, let's, let's, let's do this. This is what we do. And, and then at a certain point, we're just marching along together. And at certain points, like one time I write in the book where I fell and tripped. And he, I was like, wow, that really was scary. And he helped me. And, you know, and he's going beyond me. Like, and yeah. so it's and great. He, all, the cheap, all the cheap metaphors are all work, you know. <laughs> and also when he was, when you were lost for a second and he was like, no, no, I've been following along on Snapchat the whole time. And you're like, What? <laughs> I mean, yeah, at one point we're lost and he pulls out his phone. I'm like, don't look at your phone now, Sam. Come on, we have to, you know, and I'm doing that. And he's like, it's this way, Dad. I'm like, well, what is that? Because that's my Snapchat, man. He's The road's right here. We're over, it's over there. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, but that taps into the whole thing. Of like, we have so much to learn from our kids. Right, it's true. You know, I mean, yeah. we have so much to learn from them. And, you know, we're so busy thinking we're right all the time and or wanting to be right and hold on to being right, even when we know we might not be. And, you know, let them know better sometimes. It's a great thing for us and for them. How did your other kids feel about this big special trip between the two of you and even the fact that it's now a book? Like, are they like, could I please have something? Or is are they the age that it doesn't even matter anymore? Well, my daughter would, you know, we'd FaceTime on the way. My daughter was 15, I guess, at the time. And she goes, it's your favorite child calling. (laughs) Just to remind me, like she's, my daughter, I don't think would want to walk across Spain, but um, she said, how about Paris? You know, Mm, and and my nine-year-old recently, the book, you know, when you write a book and before it comes out, you sort of get a couple copies in the mail and it came and I opened the box and my son was there, my nine-year-old, and he picked it up and read a page or two and he looked at it and he then closed the book and he said, it would have been better if it was about me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if anyone of them wanted to do it, of course I would go in an instant, but I can't imagine that my daughter would or my son, you know, we'll see. I may not be able to make the walk by the time he gets old enough. (laughs) Even when he finally says like, okay, yeah, I'll take you up on this. And like literally the next sentences. And then I went the next time and I was I ordered the tickets (laughs) because I feel like anytime kids give you just a little doorway of opportunity, you're like, boom, I have to take care. I have to take advantage of this immediately. Oh yeah. When my son finally said, yeah, I'll go on that walk with you. And I literally walked to the other room and bought two (laughs) tickets at that instant. And we were (laughs) two days later. I just said, my wife, I said, I'm going to Spain with Sam. She's like, okay, when? Two days. Okay. (laughs) And because I knew he would change his mind if I didn't. And suddenly we were in Spain before he even knew it was happening to him, you know. And uh, and I'm glad we did because and even not just not just our kids, but most people would talk themselves out of this trip very easily. Yes. You know, I, I do think it's the kind of thing you just go. You just go. People ask me, well, what do I need to do? I go, you need to go. Or you mm. need to a pair of walking shoes and go. Everything else, you can, you're not walking the Appalachian Trail where you're carrying your world on your back. You're in society. You're in culture. You can buy a T-shirt. You'll get food. You're fine. Go. And the reason <laughs> most people don't go is, frankly, fear. You know, people are afraid. 
And so fear stops us so much. And I just, you know, I didn't want that to be the case. Hey, grownups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the cat in the hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. So obviously you used to be an actor, like, or not you used to be, but obviously you started your career as a well-known actor and then had to, you found this whole other career as a travel writer and have really like leaned into that and done so much great work and also written, it's now your third memoir, like was writing something that when you were a kid, you were always like, well, this is what I, like, when did acting intersect with writing, intersect with travel? Like, how did that all happen? Well, on the Camino, my first Camino, when I had that moment, I had this moment in the Camino where it just really, my how much fear had dominated my life was revealed to me, you know, and that was a real white light experience for me. And that changed my place in the world. And so I kept traveling after that first Camino and I kept traveling alone and going far from home. I found the further from home I went, the more at home in myself I felt, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just started writing it down, writing down, not a journal in any way, because I thought it was very indulgent journaling about me, me, me. I just wrote about what I saw and where I went and who I talked to. And I did that for about a decade with just notebooks full of this stuff on these trips I would take. And then one day I decided I wanted to do something with that. And I approached an editor of a magazine and said, you know, you ought to let me write for your magazine. <laughs> and he said, well, you're an actor, dude. And I said, yeah, but I can tell a story. That's what I do for a living. And anyway, and I said, uh, he thought that was a good answer. And I also said, if it doesn't work out, you don't have to pay me. And he thought mm. that was a better answer. And, <laughs> and so again, I, I, I became very successful very quickly as travel writing for two reasons, really, because travel, I, I believe, is a really valuable thing in our lives. I don't think it's something that, you know, it's about, a, I don't think it's about a bucket list or bragging rights or Instagram photos. I think it's about something that's profound and can change our place in the world like it did for me. And so that's sort of underneath all the stories that I write is this feeling that travel is value and it's meaningful and go, go, go. And, uh, and the other thing I knew intuitively was just to tell a story, don't sell a destination. You know, and so these two things combined helped me become very sick. And I loved it. I loved travel writing because I found it, I loved it the way I loved acting when I started. And so, you know, if you love anything, it shows. And uh, so I, the way my acting career started, same way my writing career, it's just this accidental thing. I had a passion for it and it just sort of grew of its own accord. You know, in the same way, then I evolved into television directing and directed for mm-hmm. these shows and things. So it's just, I follow these kind of nuggets of, passion somehow i'm not a very good businessman i mean you don't go pretty downwardly mobile to go from being in the movie actor to a travel writer <laughs> that's not it's <laughs> not a career path that many um accountants would advise but uh for me it's worked out 
Well, I mean, obviously this whole artistic piece, it doesn't always align perfectly with, you know, accountants and whatever, but um, that's True. what all, all the glimmers are about. I mean, we have plenty of accountants in the world, right? I mean, it's okay. You don't have to do everything. <laughs> Yeah. Um, are there are there pieces that are now sort of glimmering to you more at this point that maybe you haven't explored as much like photography or like you know what I mean? Is there anything else like coming coming out now at this stage of life? I recently acted on a show again, uh, a first season on a show called The Resident that I and I hadn't acted really in ten fifteen years much, and it was such a pleasure to go back to. I have to say, I, you know, at the end of the day, I think ultimately I'm, you know, I discovered who I was at fifteen when I acted for the first time in a high school play, you know, and that changed my life. So to go back to that, it was sort of like breathing to me. It's like that joke that like the two fish are swimming in the water, and one says that they pass each other, and one says. Morning, ain't the water fine today? And the other says, what water? <laughs> You're of it, you know, and acting, when I started acting, and it was just like, of me, I'm of acting, you know? So it was interesting and, and a pleasure to go back to. So I may do more of that. But, uh, and I'm also continuing to write some stuff. So I like, I get kind of bored. So I like doing all sorts of different things. The beauty of writing too is also you're not waiting for anyone to give you a chance to do it. True. You, know, you can just sit down and go. And there's something about sitting alone in a room uh, and trying to whip something up that uh, appeals to my temperament. Yeah. And I'm also someone who likes very few votes. The fewer the votes in my life, the <laughs> better. And so in writing, there's really only one vote. <laughs> <laughs> No, no negotiation needed. No. <laughs> you, you can never be late. You could just do it yourself. That's funny. Um, do you have like a go-to writing methodology? Like, do you like to write at home or in cafes or by hand or computer? Like, do you have a, a way you like to write the most? I do not write uh, in cafes. I can't not do that. Um, nor do I like that. I feel too vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I feel too distracted. Um, but I, but that said, I can sort of write anywhere. I mean, I I've written in, you know, the, the locker room at my kids' gymnastic classes. I've, you know, I've written. So it, it, I just can't write in a cafe for some reason. But <laughs> I can kind of write anywhere. I used to be. A, I, I write at the kitchen table and there's chaos going around me often. Mm-hmm. You know, the world of things are falling and exploding and I'm just there. You know? And when. And I'm also thinking, I, when will everyone go out? Can they just please leave? And then if they leave, I'm like. Oh my God, what do I do now? You know, and I stumble around doing nothing until it's like they're going to be home in forty-five minutes. Ah! And then I start <laughs> writing, and then I yell at them in my head, "Why are they coming back when I could, I need time to write when I've wasted the whole day?" You know? <laughs> so that's what we do with our loved ones: is blame them for our own failings, right? <laughs> so, but I tend and I tend to do better in the morning because my brain just by the end of the day, my brain's mush, and I can't really. I get it. Um, and how about books you like to read? Are you a big travel reader? Like, and who are some of your your go tos for that? I'm sorry for all the sirens. Well, here. No, uh, Paul Theroux's books changed my life. Um, they really did. They offered me his books, like the Old Patagonian Express and the Great Railway Bazaar and things like that. Made uh, that when I read the Old Patagonian Express. Someone gave me that, and it was you know basically his notion of go go alone, go far, get out of touch for a long time. Was I was like wow I never considered that kind of travel and that so I started doing that and that was that was a real game changer for me um, but I don't read a lot of uh, travel uh, writing anymore um, I have been, and, and I discovered during the pandemic I discovered audiobooks in a way I never had mm. listening to a lot of audiobooks which I really enjoy if you get a good reader you have to have a good reader um, 
And I've gotten into a lot of true uh, life spy stuff. I've become Ooh. very, I, I, the idea of this, the compartmentalization that people can do of their lives just fascinates me. These people are doing spies, doing all this stuff, and they have a wife and kids at home that who know nothing about the, their life. I'm just like, how on earth are they doing that? It's just kind of fascinating. And it doesn't work, of course, it always blows up. But I, <laughs> I've gotten into these kind of true life spy stuff that I, I just find really interesting. It's, it's a deep rabbit hole, and I'm in it. I bet. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like if there's one thing that most books that are great have in common, it has something to do with keeping secrets, right? Secrets of obviously the spy thing, which is completely obvious, but um, even like the secrets we keep from our kids. But But that's that's interesting. You know, it's like that was one of the things in walking and deal with a bit in the book of that, like how much of myself am I showing my kid and what is what am I burdening them with it? isn't that shouldn't go on them and you know they're not my pal my buddy they're my, my son yeah. here and yet by withholding am i really just withholding from them and being because i don't want to go there in myself and expose myself and make myself vulnerable to them so it's a fine line it's difficult to know exactly what the right thing is there um because if you want them to see you in a way when again to move beyond the parent child dynamic into two adults having this relationship you've got to let them see you Mm -hmm. and that's vulnerable making and so it's that's a that's a tricky one that um we wrestle with and i continue to wrestle with in that one but it's interesting the idea of secrets and revealing and sharing because what's the difference between sort of you know if you're not going to share with somebody they're not going to feel safe to share with you Right. But on the other hand, it's like, that's not their problem. You still, you know, so I I don't know what the answer is ultimately with that. And, you know, you just sort of stumble back and cross forth across that line, I think, in a certain way. And you kind of go, oh, that didn't feel, he didn't receive that. Okay. And, you know, the way kids will receive something at one age that they wouldn't have received two years earlier. Mm-hmm. And so learning that and knowing that, and it's a imperfect science, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty imperfect at it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I will join you in the imperfect boat. I've sort of opted for more sharing than less recently, but um, I don't know. Who knows if I'm doing it right? I have two in a very, you know, and yeah. And, and it's not a big deal because then they know they, because that's how they learn from us, right? It's by, mm-hmm. we do, they don't listen to anything we say. Sure. <laughs> God knows. <laughs> but like, they see me do it. They go, oh, it's a safe place to do it. And that's how you do that. And that's all I'm always saying. My kids just encouraging them to just talk. Just talk. Mm-hmm. Like my kids in the book and they're with Sam, he talked about his drug use. Mm-hmm. And yep. Like, you know, I had my own problems with alcohol and drugs. I'm very liberal with talking about it with them. And, but, you know, I can't say you can't do that. And you do not want to be doing those drugs. You know, A, they're not going to listen. They're going to shut down and not come to you again. And, you know, any teenager and or young adult, the vast majority are going to experiment with that stuff and to pretend they're not or to think they're not or to shut that down that conversation down is a fool's errand in my opinion and so uh you know and it's a slippery slope everyone has to navigate for themselves that um but they are experimenting with sex and with drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and to ignore that and or turn a blind eye to that or to forbid that discussion i don't know they're going to have it somewhere else then i'd rather have them kind of go and you know, and I'll tell my opinion. I t- endlessly tell my kids, you know, the only thing that can destroy your life is drugs and alcohol. Destroyed mm-hmm. mine, will destroy yours. Everybody's the same in that regard. But do what you got to do. But I'm just telling you. 
I love when you're like, okay, then my son is smoking, but I made him ask it in Spanish for cigarettes, like that I wasn't well, going to ask for a cigarette. Bum that cigarette for me from that guy. I'm like, no way. <laughs> you go ask him, here's how you say it. And now you go ask him. You know? Oh my God. But it's better that than him sneaking around to go, I, I got to go make a call and him running out and sneaking a cigarette, for God's sake. I mean, that's no, it's true. It's like you're like teaching. You're like teach a man to fish or whatever. <laughs> it's so funny, right? I mean, that's yeah. the thing. <laughs> How is your relationship now? Now that the you know after all of this and the book, and do you think it all made it better? Well, I don't know that it needs to be made better. I think it's made it richer. It's made me kind of calm down a little bit. I think about feeling the precariousness of it that he'll grow and be gone and never see him again. And I think it's helped him trust me a little mm-hmm. more. And I think that's all what we've been talking about by revealing and not trying to know better, but just kind of going, this is my experience, you know, and sharing as opposed to telling, you know, so I think it's, and it was something, it was great fun and it was great, you know, it was a great, it was like, you can't take it away from us. We did that together. And, you know, that's whenever we do that with, you know, and that's one of the things that travel does so well. It's an easy and fun way to sort of like, remember that thing, you know, travel yeah. returns us to innocence and a sense of wonder that we mm-hmm. so often don't have in our day-to-day life. And when you can share moments of wonder with people, that sort of we're wide open when we're experiencing wonder, you know, and so it's room for love to get in there, you know, so. Amazing. Well, last question. So if you're going to take, if you would take your daughter to Paris for her sort of book, <laughs> where, where would you go with your youngest? What would that book be? Well, I just took my youngest. We just got back two days ago. We were in Botswana. I was writing a travel story for a magazine and uh, I took him on safari with me to Botswana into the deep bush of Botswana. And that was kind of a pretty intense uh, experience. That <laughs> um, it was fantastic and great, but it was a lot for uh you know, you really realize how much burden of responsibility you feel with these, with our kids, you know, and how much of it is real and how much of it is just self-imposed and self-congratulatory in the sense of you feel this weight of responsibility. And um, when you're in a place where you really are responsible in a real way, all that sort of grandiosity of responsibility and accountability falls away because the reality of a situation asserts itself, if you know what I mean. And so to just sort of be there with my little guy and that was kind of fantastic. But where will our book be? I don't know. <laughs> He's older. Probably won't be Botswana. But, uh. <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, thanks so much. Thanks for chatting about the book and everything else. And congratulations. And can't wait to follow your future travels. Oh, great. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. 
So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.